0: Welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Tristan.
1: I'm Elijah. And Whoa. Doug, where
0: the heck are you? Whoa. <laughs> I actually don't know where Doug is this week, but when it, we were. threw me off, I'll be honest. Yeah, threw me off. Yeah. Uh, we were playing this thing, and Doug was just like, hey, uh, I'm not
2: going to be on this week. And we were just like, well, alrighty then. But that's okay. We have another uh, person to join us who's not Doug, but is taking Doug's place in a way today <laughs> that is true that's right it's our it's... good friend Elijah's sister Abby hey Abby
3: hey welcome how's it going so good. <laughs> thank welcome. you for having me on <laughs> of course
0: have you been on since we changed the name of the podcast
3: no not yet
0: all right well then tell the people who you are what you're about
3: oh boy well um I am the sister of Elijah Walls as mentioned and as such a nerd and my niche it interests. Runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> my niche interests have evolved into the path I've chosen for myself in life in general. And so what that means is I'm currently studying to be a school counselor and in my free time, so not just for studies, but in my free time, I enjoy researching all things having to do with mental health, mental illness, Destigmatizing all the things
2: so
0: that is awesome and you know it's funny that we brought you on this week because we're actually talking about a movie that deals with mental illness yeah it's
2: crazy it's isn't funny there.
1: isn't
0: that we didn't
2: that is, plan that at all just uh, so not why? even sort of it certainly wasn't was abby's suggestion yeah well no. let's quit beating around the bush what do we watch this week guys what <laughs> okay well from my from from uh, from my old eyes telling me what we read or what we watched, it's the professor and the madman. Um, Elijah, you want to hit us with those reviews of this movie?
1: Okay, <laughs> um, <clears throat> the professor and the madman from 2019. Uh, it's got a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, um, which is similar to its audience score on Rotten Tomatoes with his 80%, but everything else seems low. Uh, the tomato meter gives it a 41%. Uh, what else we got? Metacritic, oh. it's a 25 out of 100.
2: Yeah, Whenever the critics 20, were 20. not kind to this film at all. Right. Wow, but it has a 7.3, you said on IMDb? Uh, yeah,
1: 7.3 out of 10.
2: That's pretty wild. So the critics, critics well,
1: critics said it was uh, stuffy and sanctimonious. Um, of course, they did.
2: Some of well, them had. Guess some what? They are good
1: things to say about it. So, <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> it was a mixture. This movie, um, we have Mel Gibson, Sean Penn, Eddie Marsan. I think it's Marzin. I don't think it's Marzan. I think it's Marzin Natalie Dormer, Jennifer. L, Steve Coogan, um, and a bunch of other people. Um, that
1: Ian Gruffitt guy is in it.
2: However you say his name. Yes. Uh, yeah, what's, what has he been in? I don't know him.
1: You know, he's Mr. Fantastic. Um, oh. And Abby and I know him from another very slow paced historical drama called Amazing Grace, where he played William Wilberforce.
3: We're into uh, those kind of things.
2: Yeah, he's been in some other things too. Eddie Marzen, I really liked him in a, it was a British short, British series about magic. Um, it was where he was a wizard. I forget what it's called. I'll think of it, but I'll recommend it when I think of it. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's who we got in this movie. Um, what's everyone's experience with this film? I have never seen it and I've never read the book. Cool. Same. Yeah. Well, Not, I mean, now we've seen it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I yeah, I I hadn't I had no idea what this was about. I'd never seen it or read it. What about you, Abby?
3: Yeah, um, I saw it a few months back on Netflix on a whim. Didn't know anything about it going into it, saw the name, thought, well, that's a choice. And then I watched it and then now I'm watching it again with you guys. Aha, as it goes. Yeah.
1: Hot dog. Yeah. And you recommended this for a podcast episode.
3: I did, in fact. <laughs> Is yes. that correct?
1: <laughs> why, why did you want us to do that? Why do this movie?
3: So oh, we're just
1: all about setups today.
3: What? That's it. Before, before um, the podcast switched names. I was on an episode about Fight Club in which I stated that I didn't like it mostly because of the representation of mental illness in that film. And so I wanted to find a movie that I liked the representation of mental illness in the film. So this one happened, came up. It's not very well known for reasons that may be discussed later on. So I thought maybe this would be a good one. Yeah
0: uh well this movie um has been something that mel gibson has been trying to get done since the book came out in 1998 but it met a lot of issues um so i know y'all were uh, looking that stuff up earlier um at one point mel gibson and the director both walked away from the project uh got to the point where it just wasn't marketed at all and i feel like this film this film uh made like no money um Sounds on the IMDb page just a second ago. Yeah. I, I know it had a twenty five million dollar budget, and it only made. Oh, yeah, yeah, it uh, worldwide it didn't even make five million dollars, mm. like,
1: and um, a- apparently, what Tristan? What's the director's name? Do you still have it pulled up?
2: I do. Um, his name is Farhad Safinia. Okay, but but he's credited as P.B. Shimron,
1: right? Okay, so I read. Have you guys seen Apocalypto? Mm-mm.
2: Nope, but that's um, a Mel Gibson movie.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen part of it. I've never seen the whole thing, uh, but it's a pretty well-known movie directed by Mel Gibson. Right. And then um, what's his name?
2: Fa- Farhad Safinia.
1: Farhad Safinia. Okay, so he wrote Apocalypto, the script. <laughs> and, and Mel Gibson directed the movie. And then when this movie was happening, Mel Gibson was trying to do all the things apparently and uh, ended up pulling Mr. Safinia in to direct this movie, uh, kind of giving him a glowing recommendation after their work on Apocalypto. But the studio voltage, I think, that they were working with
2: yeah, yeah,
1: uh, was apparently butting heads with them and Mel mm-hmm. Gibson... And Farhad Safinia ended up walking away from the project and they refused to promote it when the movie finally came out.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I couldn't, I mean, I did not do a deep dive, excuse me. Um, But I couldn't really find that they were working on it since, would you say the book came out in the 90s?
0: Hmm.
2: I'd say Mel Gibson's
0: been wanting to put it together. I don't think he actually... Like, did anything concrete until much later. But yeah, so he, he must have liked it. I'd say, it, I mean, it's it's a passion project for him. Okay. Which, is which? I mean, I'll go ahead and uh, be honest here. I know that the other, at least Abby and Tristan both liked this movie. I really didn't. Um, Elijah, I don't know how you feel. Uh, you weren't here when we were talking about that. Um, but I, I also tend to be the type to normally not like, um, passion projects. Um, I'll get into this more later. Um, but this just, I don't really feel like needed to be a story that was told in the way it was. Um, it felt like an over-dramatized version of at least the way I assume things happen. It's a historical drama. Um, I don't think it was bad, but it just didn't do much for me. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> ben says. I mean, I thoughts. know I'm
0: going to be in the minority on this. Um, well, that's okay.
1: Are yeah. we done talking about the cast? I mean, if y'all want to talk more about the cast, you're welcome.
2: Well, I I, I was going to say I haven't seen Sean Penn and much. I, I guess he's been busy. I assume he's been busy. I don't know. I saw him in Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That was the last time I saw him. I I didn't know who he was, really.
0: I'd say he's uh, one of those guys, like, I know the name, but I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff.
2: Right. Um, yeah, I just know him from I Am Sam, which is a really popular movie from the early 2000s with him in it. I mean, I think he does a good job. Honestly, I think a lot of it is the script I don't
0: like. Hmm. Um, between the script and the pacing, like this movie is two hours and it it kind of felt like three.
3: The pacing, I agree with, because it is it's pretty slow. Yeah,
0: it's pretty yeah. slow movie. Well, and like for me, the interesting parts in the movie are when Mel Gibson and Sean Penn's characters are together, and they don't even they're not they don't even share the screen until like an hour into the movie.
2: Yeah, that's true. Fair. There was a lot of buildup
0: right and i'm just like can we get a move on with this please
3: yep
1: Uh, okay that's an interesting point i was gonna say say good things about it yeah i mean i was just (laughs) gonna say that for a movie like this based on true story about the creation of the first edition of the oxford english dictionary obviously some slowness is is a necessary evil um and i think given that they had to deal with slowness in the movie they did an excellent job. This movie starts with a bang. Yep,
3: That's It true. starts
1: in a way that really grips you because it starts with the background of the court case and the sentencing of the homie, Dr. William Charles Minor. Minor.
2: Chester. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, William Chester Minor. See, I don't pay attention. I don't know okay. who,
2: what his name is. I, w- I normally wouldn't. I just have it in front of me.
1: Okay, yeah, that guy. Um, W.C. Minor. Yeah. Um, and he, he ends up not going to prison because of his insanity plea. Um, and it it actually shows you the crime being committed, kind of cut in with the court scene. Um, yeah. That was really gripping. So that yeah. drags you, that pulls you into the movie. And then intense...
0: it slows down
1: almost. Right. It's totally... And then, and then there's yeah. more intense moments slams later. On and this movie does have a pretty clear climax where things are pretty intense. And I, you know, I think that was well done. Mm-hmm. But I guess I don't disagree that it has pacing issues. I think it's a bit of a necessary evil. You I know,
0: mean, I'm also just thinking like, it, if we didn't do this on the podcast, at no point would have I have ever said, "Oh, it's a movie about the creation of the first dictionary." I want, I want that. Like, it, it's just not even an interesting premise for me.
2: I feel like I've watched movies and enjoyed them about less interesting.
0: I mean, premise, maybe, yeah.
2: but. I don't know. No, no, I mean, uh, I I just didn't like it. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Um. Well, I had something to say and now it's gone. So. Well, let's talk about historical dramas then. Um, what do y'all
0: like about historical dramas?
2: What do we like? Um. Well, first of all, (laughs) not every
1: movie has to have Iron Man in it to be interesting. That's true. So we'll start there. You know, I think.
2: Yeah, you know, I am always down for a Marvel disc. I I can get behind. (laughs) I mean,
1: and I'm not anti Iron Man here. I'm just saying, like, moviegoers today, I think are just really primed and ready to go to see some explosions and stuff. And so when a movie like this comes out, nobody cares.
0: See, like, I don't even mind like slow movies, like. And we're not attacking
2: you. I know. <laughs> it's okay. I'd like to say uh,
3: this, though, too, if I can.
2: Yeah,
3: go um, ahead. I just, I don't want to diss my generation or the generations that come after me because this is a people-in-general issue, but a lot of people do not know history and don't care to know history. And I think... I I agree with you that this doesn't really make like an exciting or fascinating or whatever fill in the blank kind of movie but it promotes people digging into history and it I mean you're not wrong it's a way to share these stories that have been lost or forgotten so I appreciate that
0: I mean and you're not wrong I I guess my thing like, I feel like this could have been a documentary okay yeah could have been better I think like, I, feel I, nice. I guess my thing, I don't understand why this story in particular needed to be dramatized.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. I like that they decided to make this a film, uh, a, a historical drama instead of a documentary. And first reason that comes to mind why I think that was a good idea is acting. Okay. What documentaries have reenactments that are compelling i've I mean, never you're
3: not, seen you're one. not wrong but there's the one valid
1: when you well tristan apparently knows one but uh, <laughs> every documentary i've seen that tried to do reenactments i couldn't roll my eyes hard enough they're so bad
2: <laughs> there there's the paul giamatti drawn uh, john adams series that's a pretty oh, good one i haven't one. seen that
3: there's a really good reason also why it is a drama for, and for the acting and we can again get to this later and we will but it shows the heart of the story more this way than in a documentary because it does deal with sensitive topics that need to be dealt with with compassion and emotion. So I can appreciate what they were trying to do with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, a you're, point. you're definitely not wrong. Um,
2: I mean, like, like, I keep saying, I, I just didn't really like it. <laughs> that's have okay. You, <laughs> have you guys seen Les Mis? The 2012 movie version
1: very recently for the first time
2: <laughs> okay well in the beginning it's pretty fast paced I guess kind of I mean a lot happens at the beginning is what I mean with Jean Valjean being like he gets caught for stealing and then he goes to prison and then like it all happens like I don't know within like 10 minutes maybe or less it seems like it goes by just like that. And I remember when I first watched the movie, I thought, I don't know who this guy is. Because I remember seeing the guy, Jean Valjean, in a beard, like in prison rags. And looked, he looked very different from the Jean Valjean you see in the rest of the film, who's shaved and like, you know, looks clean and well-dressed and all that. And I, I remember, I watched this today and I remember thinking about that and how quick this movie was in the beginning And how he looked a little bit different. Sean Penn's character looked a little bit different as the movie goes on. And, like, I I got it. Like, I could tell it was Sean Penn. Like, it wasn't confusing to me. But it just made me think of that one time where I was just like, who is this guy, you know, that we're following now? Like, he's in a totally different setting than he was before. So, yeah, and I was younger then. So, maybe I...
1: This... This movie maybe is a bit hard to follow, and I I won't disagree that it has some pacing issues, Ben. Um, It's occurring to me that if I hadn't been primed, because Abby told me the gist of this movie before I watched it. She told me kind of the book jacket summary. Um, So I kind of knew where it was going from the beginning, but maybe if I didn't, I would have been pretty confused. Also, after watching the movie, I thought, that was good. I'm glad I watched that. And then I started doing the Googling, looking on Wikipedia, as I always do. And saw how many of the critics hated this movie. And I was like, wait a second. Is this a bad movie? Because I didn't really notice. Um, the, the story was so compelling and the acting was so good. Uh, that I don't think I noticed if this is a bad movie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, think, that's, I liked it even if it was. That was, was a well bad said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if a movie makes me cry, usually it's like, all right, this is, this is good for me. Uh like i like i uh, that that's like if it makes me cry in a way that like i'm the emotions are genuine like the acting has a lot to do with it um and the i guess the quotes or specific dialogue in this movie there were some really beautiful lines spoken and some really great moments um yeah yeah
1: this movie I mean the the movie is all about words and language, and it flexes a lot with its vocabulary. <laughs> uh, one of the coolest scenes was that I'm pretty sure it's the first scene where the two main characters meet each other. You know. Oh yeah,
3: that's um, a great scene.
1: And they're like exchanging witty banter about definitions.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't get any nerdier than that, and <laughs> you know they were using words that I've never heard before. So I didn't get the joke for a while. And then they started, once they started using words that I knew, I was like, Oh, I get it. (laughs) You know, when he was like, why not skip straight to leprosy? And he said, Oh, now that's just letting too much fall off. And then he says, you could go back to acne. He says, let's not be rash about it. I was like, Oh, they're all puns about the definitions of these words. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. hilarious.
0: That's it. And that was in there. Honestly, the best scenes in this movie are the ones that have, both of them interacting yeah I agree and I, I guess one thing that really stuck out to me that was also just I, I just I don't know if I just didn't get it or what but um Sean Penn's character's relationship with the widow of the man that he killed a good topic that was just weird for me
3: So, it's weird for me, too, because as it turns out, and maybe we can get to this in a moment, I don't know if we're there yet, but... um, Let's go
0: there. We're here.
3: Okay. Well, um, when I briefly just looked up a summary of each of these two men's lives, that was not there. So, I feel like that was creative license, which it didn't... I would venture to say it didn't really distract from the main story for me because really all it was was emphasizing where he was as a character where William what's his name was Mm. um, at that point I don't know maybe you could maybe you disagree with me Ben
0: (laughs) I mean my thing I, I don't understand why that was a romantic relationship like
3: why that needed to be there yeah i I agree with that i
0: I don't mind romantic relationships being in movies but this man literally killed her husband
3: yeah and and
0: like she is the one that's almost seems like she's throwing herself at him
3: well that's
1: fair i was actually about to say i think this movie would actually give you enough space to say that it wasn't well Uh, like i mean
0: i could understand if like their relationship was like him trying to atone for what he did but okay
3: which he was but right for part of it
0: but it becomes something else
1: yeah and it felt weird i've said before that kind of one of my little pet peeves is the way people think they can't tell a story without romance stories Mm -hmm. without romance are perfectly fine um and you know some of the best stories ever told have none of that in it, and you don't have to shoehorn it into a story to make it good. So if yeah. that's what they were doing, I hate that a lot. However, um, the relationship between those two characters uh, spawns some good content about forgiveness and redemption. And I think if you look at it from that angle, this movie kind of gives those topics a, a deeper treatment than a lot of movies I've
3: seen. I agree with that. I loved that they went there with those topics of forgiveness. I think if they had kept it there rather than pushing for romance, it would have been much better.
2: Yeah. I I think that scene in the little park enclosed area when they kissed, I I was like, that was, that's, that's when we crossed the line. Yeah. And it was good until we got there. And then I was like, I don't know why we had to go this far. Or why this was necessary. And I I legitimately can't think of a reason. And maybe there is one that I don't see. But it it just points me to like. If I can't think of a reason for that. Then I'm going to go with Elijah's point of. It's like. It it doesn't need to be there.
3: It did feel forced.
1: And you know. Now that I'm thinking about it. um, The scene where. The the doctor. James. What's his name? Uh, James Murray. James Murray, Mel Gibson, points out the painting and says, who's that? That's the moment where you realize that there's romantic feelings there. Because prior to that point, there wasn't really any reason to think that. Because well, the homie Dr. Miner's behavior, I think, could have easily been interpreted as just a guy who wanted to atone for what he did. You You didn't right. have to think of it as romantic until that scene with the painting happened.
2: Yeah, and it was, I'm thinking about it now. I think it was the dialogue in that scene specifically that made it be a sort of romantic thing. The painting itself, though, I don't, I mean, I I don't know if this is being contested, but I just, I don't think that's a romantic aspect of it. I think this was someone who was greatly on his mind the entire time. Um, because of what he did to her that it was almost like this is what I did that was wrong this is the person who I have to who I, I have to answer to in a way mm-hmm. um, I mean you, you saw that and give it, he said give everything to her you know Um, and he just let like when her daughter started hitting him you know he, he just broke down because it's like He's like, I deserve, he's like, I deserve it all, you know? And he, right. he's just like, I, I can't, there's nothing you can do to me that I don't deserve.
3: Yeah.
1: That was powerful. And yeah, the, the more we talk about it, the more I'm realizing all of that stuff could have been done well and led us to think about forgiveness and redemption without making it romantic. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I agree that that is a fault of this movie.
3: Yeah. i agree as well because i mean
0: like i'm looking right now there is no indication that that was ever a romantic relationship right. and uh-huh. again like it doesn't even feel like he's the one initiating the relationship like it's her yeah. and it and just, i don't like it
1: okay this leads me to answer
0: Jon snow i don't want it
1: this leads me to ask about one of the most troubling scenes yeah um because yep. I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking the castration scene didn't actually happen in real life.
3: It did happen it did in real happen life, in life, but for different reasons.
2: Yeah, oh. different reasons. Yep.
3: So I, I think maybe that's one reason why they decided to go with a romantic story to mm. explain that thing that happened. Because otherwise it would have felt out of place in the story that they were telling. But I think they still could have told this story in the way it needed to be told without romance. So I do agree that that's a flaw, but I see the reasons that they might've felt like they needed to put that in.
1: That's not like it. <laughs> uh, are we going to talk about that on the podcast or is it not podcast friendly?
2: Keep it PG-13. You <laughs> <He> can't. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll just say you can look it up. Uh, it's not hard to find. It's on Wikipedia. Right.
1: I'll look it yeah. up. Dan, uh, please
2: have his... all of this.
1: <laughs> so
2: we looked up uh, why
0: he did what he did uh, in real life, and we're not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> we, I just don't feel like there's really a way for us to talk about it and keep this podcast PG-13. Um, so if that is something that you would like to know more about, it. More information is given on uh, the Wikipedia page for WC Minor, and you can check that out. Um, However, looking at what actually happened, while I understand why they didn't include that in the movie, I don't think replacing that reason with him, with the reason that they gave for him to do it, was any better. I agree. Like, yeah.
1: It, yeah, it's not any better if you're trying to be true to the story.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: There, there is a line, though, that I really like that um, Eliza says to him when she comes in and he's in his he's in a state where he's not there, he's not present. Um, and it's if love, then what? And then she says, if love, then love answering love with love. Felt that. That's good, and I don't know if that would have been in that without, um, without that romantic. I guess it could have. It certainly could have been in there without that. Still love sure. someone without being romantic, obviously.
1: Right. Right.
3: Yeah. Um.
2: So maybe that. But. All right. Do we have any other issues with this movie, Ben? <laughs> Do you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean nothing like super glaring like what I've already mentioned but
1: okay.
2: So talking
1: about being true to the story, let's talk about historical drama in general. Uh we've already mentioned a movie that Abby and I like, Amazing Grace, which is about William Wilberforce. I always struggle with that name, but he's he was like the abolitionist in Britain um and he we're not talking about that movie, but it's a good movie. It is slow, though. It's one of those historical. Let's tell a true story, um, but dramatize it just a little bit. Kind of movies, and it is slow. You know, I think it's worth watching, but it's not like a yeah, like pumping your fist in the air kind of. That's the, the that's the movie for me. You know, it's it's a it's a bit of a sleeper, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm not opposed to that. You know,
3: yeah. Like time. for
0: me, it. Like, I, I keep coming back to this. I, I just don't think it's a compelling story. Like, it's not like when we watched Loving, and it's like this amazing story about um, the Loving family, like having their love recognized by the state. Like, it's well, about these two guys writing a dictionary.
1: Well, it's not. And I, I, I
0: get that there's the more to it than
2: that. Like, right, but, yeah. Like, I mean, how would how how yeah, you there quantify is quite that? A
3: bit more. It's, yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's a movie about humanizing someone who was dehumanized for his mental issues. You know, it's about um, the value of a human life.
0: Yeah, I mean, like,
1: I just don't think this film
0: shows it in a very interesting way. A lot of the, for most of the film.
2: Well, you you look at a lot of historical drama movies, and I pulled some up just to refresh my memory. But yeah. I'm going to talk about ones I've seen. Um, A lot of them are slow. I mean, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of just, I guess, verbal context throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Exposition, I guess that's what that word I'm looking for is. Mary Queen of Scots was a movie I saw that I liked. It's a slow movie. Um, It's not completely accurate. Like this movie isn't completely accurate. 1917 being a war movie. It was a fairly slow movie, I thought.
1: Yeah, and... A couple of Mel Gibson movies that I'm familiar with, Braveheart and The Patriot, both based on real people, um, mm-hmm. but they dramatized and changed a lot. I mean, they changed things to make it more violent and, and mm-hmm. more keep the audience on the edge of their seat. And they changed things to make it look better on screen. Like I remember reading about... Um, Like I found a list of all the historical inaccuracies in Braveheart and there's a lot. And a big one is kilts hadn't been invented yet uh, (laughs) when the story took place, but all the Scots are wearing kilts in Braveheart because why wouldn't they, I guess. Um, And personally, I would rather watch a movie that's closer to the story than quote unquote exciting. If it's, if it's based on a true story, I would really like the movie to be true to the story even I mean I kind of I thing. guess
0: ultimately depends on like why you're watching the movie like I mean if you're doing what you're doing and like watching it for the historical accuracy then yeah it should like that should be more important than making it interesting but with this one it it's still
2: oh. not <laughs> completely accurate There are clearly a lot of movies that are widely known to be great films but are historical dramas that are that have problems with pacing i guess so what else makes them good movies why does it what makes this one not other than pacing What what's the what is this missing what's this movie missing interesting characters outside of the two main ones it's not a bad point
3: i thought murray's wife was very cool personally she she had some character development. That's neat. <laughs>
2: that's that's true, and she I don't
0: even know her name.
3: That's fair. Ada <laughs> was her name.
0: I'm glad you knew that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, she was. You're right, Abby. She was a good character, um, and Murray's friend as well. The uh, professor one. Uh, oh, the one at the end
0: that uh, covered for him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but
0: I mean that's the like, only the scene I remember him he
2: from. Covered but... for him, he covered for him the whole movie. What do you he mean? He did, yeah, he did. Then I'm beginning to think that <laughs> I I paid attention. I promise. Okay. Well,
3: Justin, you, know... you had mentioned the dude in the prison earlier too. That character,
2: Muncie, Yeah. Yeah.
3: A yeah, good we like him.
2: A good. He's just a good man. Yeah, we don't know anything about him really, but he's a good man. So. You know, never mind. (laughs) It has good characters. (laughs) Um.
1: Well, Ben, you mentioned documentaries earlier. (laughs) And, you know, if you're really looking for something that's true to the story and true to the facts of what happened, you go to a documentary. So maybe this needs to be said. When somebody sets out to make a historical drama, they have chosen to go that route instead of making a documentary. (laughs) And maybe... That means they need to go ahead and make use of this um, this genre they've chosen and just go ahead and make it a good movie, whether it's completely true to the story or not. Maybe. I might just be playing devil's advocate a little bit. but I, I mean, I guess my point is, it...
0: like, we know that they do take some liberties with the story, but they don't at least, in my opinion, taken off to actually make it a super interesting story. I don't know. I, I guess like there are good things in this movie, and like I, I don't want to dismiss those. I think there are genuinely good things in this movie. It just, it just, I just feel like it
1: just misses for me. Well. Mm. I don't know that I want to see this movie again. I probably won't watch it again. I will probably never have any interest in watching but this movie ever again. <laughs> I, I've definitely, I've thought about it and I've decided I definitely disagree. I do think the story is interesting enough to make this movie compelling. Um, the story is the reason, you know, like I said, like after I saw the critics reviews, I thought to myself, wait, is this a bad movie? Because I didn't notice, um, largely because I thought the story really was so good, so interesting.
2: i glad y'all like it. Yeah, I I really just want someone to tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm reading a Roger Ebert review right now about it, and so usually he can tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's not Roger that actually wrote that. I know. <laughs> it's Nick Allen. Yeah, apparently. Yeah.
0: But I mean, uh, I'm really sorry. I don't really have anything to say. Like, here's why I didn't like it other than the stuff I've already said. It just, I don't know. It just feels like it missed for
2: me. You know, I, I've, I, I think maybe I've come across movies like this where it feels a little dull in that the color grading is just dark. The voices are low. Hmm. The, um, the movement is generally low as well. With a couple of quick things happening, you know, mm-hmm. once you get past the beginning, a couple of quick things happening after that, and the movie itself throughout the rest of its time is just here, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the color grading, like I, it's it's not something that you really notice until you notice it, and then it's like all oh, you can notice, you know. It's mm-hmm. one of those things. Yeah, um, it's like very like darky bluey kind of things <laughs> and then like grays um so anyway that's kind of how it is and it's good it sets a tone it's, it's not there's no, it's not wrong to do that with a movie it's just you know
1: it's it feels sort of dreary
2: yeah it can yeah yeah, yeah. you know what it it doesn't help that
1: this takes place in the british isles where it rains all the freaking time and it's kind of dreary anyway right
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i think you know now that i'm thinking about it, it seems like there are a lot of british movies that do this with their coloring hmm. i don't know okay what do i know all right so um
0: Abby, I know that you were the one that suggested this film and you like the main reason was you um, you said you really liked how they handled mental illness and this movie. So uh, do you want to take a uh, little bit of time and kind of talk with us about that?
3: I would love to talk about that. Cool. And please bear with me, because if I'm scattered, it's because I did not take notes on this film. <laughs> I apologize.
1: She she okay. took notes on the last one for our listeners who don't know that. <laughs>
3: I had to, I've, I have said this before and I will say it now for anyone who is listening to this podcast to hear, but I think if you're going to make a film and you want to talk about mental illness in that film, the way to do that is to make a film that's based on a true story. And I know that we've already talked about historical dramas and their faults and how if it's a drama, you're not going to stick exactly to the story that's there. I understand that and that's fine as long as the main like the core parts aren't really messed with and the way that they talked about William forgive me what's his last name? Minor? Uh,
1: minor. Minor. Uh, minor.
3: William Minor's situation. I don't think it could have been done the same way in a documentary. They could have interviewed some people who could talk about it in a compassionate way but you don't see it you don't see how um murray interacted with him and was friends with him despite everyone else not wanting to do that it seemed
2: yeah. anyway especially and... when they found out
3: oh go ahead did well, i interrupt
2: it... you? no I, was, I said especially when they all found out that he you know um that he was in a a place, (laughs) an institution, an
3: institution. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, Right. Yeah. I think that's a compelling reason to make a a drama film instead of going with documentary for your genre, because documentaries are pretty devoid of emotion. And sometimes you might need, uh, you know, you might need to depict blood, sweat and tears on the on the TV screen in order to really drive home what you're trying to drive home and documentaries probably aren't as equipped for that as, as the genre they chose.
3: Yeah. I'd like to really quickly make this point because um, with the episode that I did on fight club way back when I talked about how I did not appreciate the villain trope, the mentally ill villain, the way it was done. In both this movie and Fight Club, you have a person who is incidentally a quote-unquote villain. But the difference is, in this one, he's humanized. And you start out with the bang. You start out seeing what he's done. But you immediately thereafter come to understand from his perspective for what was done, from what happened. I think that's important.
1: Mm-hmm. Because the fact is he didn't need to go to prison. He needed to get help.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Of course they sent him to a place where he.
3: Yeah. See, that was was another thing. I also appreciated that because it's a historical drama. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the history of the treatment of people who have mental illness, it's quite dark. And we have not historically done a good job taking care of these people so I'm glad that this movie brought that to light reminded people these are still issues and we've come a long way we're not quite there yet but we've come a long way um, and even at that point it was recognized that hey maybe we should not be treating these people as guinea pigs for your experimental treatments maybe we should treat them as people and get them something that will help them
2: hmm yeah this was this the widely I don't know maybe you know Abby was this the wi- widely accepted thing for people who were deemed mentally ill to to go into an institution like this or were there specialists to take care of like actually do the work
3: at this point um see I really wish I had taken notes and done some more research but at this point, I mean, what it says in the movie, he didn't even receive a diagnosis until he got shipped back to America. Mm, yeah. Um, I so I don't, I don't know if dude bro who was doing these experiments there on him in England, if he knew that that's what's going on and he was just trying out whatever he wanted to do. I don't know. Um, but I do know that generally these people were seen as not only incapable of taking care of themselves in any capacity, but just lesser, just not as human. They had gone beyond whatever it was that the dude said that now he's just a shell of a man, oh, basically, yeah. where he really was not a lost cause. He just was no longer treated as a person
2: mm-hmm.
3: that happened frequently.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it, so at the end, you mentioned he was, you were wish- he was uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, is schizophrenia a um, a mental illness that could come about just from a from something happening to you?
3: So it is one of those. Um, it's it's in the brain, like all of them. The but it's what I mean by that is <laughs> it's a chemical. It's it changes the landscape of your brain. Um, Yeah. But the way that any mental illness works is that it can be made worse by stressful situations. So if you take a person with OCD and put them in a position, in a life situation that is deeply stressful and troubling to that person, their symptoms will get worse. It's just a part of it. Whereas on the flip side, same side, same coin. Um, If you put them in a situation where things are really, really good, they will still have OCD and they will still have tendencies, but they'll probably be a little bit easier to manage. It's the same with this. And I think this movie did a really good job of expressing that because anytime he was allowed some freedoms, some peace of mind, like when he was able to read books and paint when he was able to see visitors, he was better. When mm-hmm. he was sh- locked away and experimented on, and horrible things happened, he became a shell.
2: Yeah, and well, I'm curious, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong in my thinking. Um, so when he, at the beginning, when he committed the murder and he was sentenced to the institution, he went in. And it was not long when you started to see him, something was happening to him in there. And we we know that he was having flashbacks in the movie anyway. He was having flashbacks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then when the guy's leg was stabbed by the gate, he had a flashback yeah. there too. And he right. kept seeing this guy that he branded as well. Yeah. What, was that something going on in his mind?
3: Um. So his story now, here's where I have to be careful because he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. He did receive that diagnosis just because of what I know of war veterans and especially at this point in history, how people dealt with that and with the aftermath of having been in a war, I would venture to say he also possibly had ptsd so those flashbacks that you're seeing it's probably just that it's Mm -hmm. probably just flashbacks but the way that schizophrenia can manifest sometimes is it kind of blurs the lines with what's real and what's not Mm. um so i mean in some of those instances he could very well have not just felt like in a flashback like he was back there he could have felt like oh this is like right now this is my reality surrounding me right now Mm. i don't know and i would be very careful with that because the only diagnosis he got in his life was schizophrenia but yeah i would i would say there's a combination of things going on there at
2: least based on this movie yeah yeah um
1: I don't know how relevant this is to what we're actually talking about. Um, But just real quick, the guy from his flashback that he branded a deserter, pretty sure that was the guy he was paranoid about for the entire movie, saying he's coming after me. He has a brand on the left
2: side of his face. Yes. That's him. That's the guy, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I think... Did you have a question or Um, follow-up? I'm
1: kind of (laughs) just... clarifying that in my mind but i don't know okay. if, if that is relevant to the discussion <laughs> i'm interested to know more
3: i had read a little bit about that in a story and again i just i wish i had my resources readily available to me but i do not right now but um I, I you know it was never confirmed if that actually happened in real life but he did talk about that and i i wouldn't go against a man's testimony with with something like that. Mm-hmm. And the way that his schizophrenia manifested certainly was that he was paranoid about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, whether or not it happened in real life that he branded somebody a deserter um, and then they swore to come back after him, whether or not that actually happened, it was real to him in his reality. And that was a big driving force for his paranoia. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm wondering if the paranoia, at least from this movie, the paranoia and PTSD potential led to, you know, like it just kept getting worse. All these treatments, I'm using finger Mm. quotes, um, it just led to his eventual schizophrenia diagnosis. Hmm. It's interesting stuff. Thanks for sharing. It's, uh,
0: definitely something that yeah. is uh, worth doing more research about and
2: really just mental health
0: in general because um, it's good to learn about this stuff. Uh,
3: yeah, do you have barely. any good
0: resources for, uh, that people could check out if they want to learn more, Abby?
3: Um, Well, if, I, if I'm being honest, in general, I would just say um, the day and age we are living in, you have information at your fingertips and you can look up anything very very quickly so I'm throwing that out that if you want to know more about these things a quick google search won't give you exact information about everything so check out a couple of sources but you've Mm -hmm. got information right there also um the day and age we're living in social media accounts that are very helpful some that have been helpful for me. There's one called Breaking Taboo on Instagram. They may be somewhere else as well, but they're awesome. Um, and let's see. Are you talking about just in general mental health aware- mm-hmm. awareness or? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, to Write Love on Her Arms is a wonderful organization. I stand by them. Um, let's see. Ah. Oh. I wish I had my resources available to me, but yeah. Okay.
2: How about your um, textbooks? <laughs> go to the library, yep. read a there few textbooks. <laughs> yeah.
3: Get some textbooks. Get, get
2: yourself learned.
3: Get you a DSM-5.
2: Uh, <laughs> just go on and do it. <laughs> um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no. Where? Where? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it-
0: All right. uh, Well, thank you for sharing those resources with us, Abby. And uh, I hope that all of y'all listening will take this as an opportunity, you know, to go learn some more. You know, mental health is a very important thing. And it's something that I feel like the general public, while they are starting to become more knowledgeable as it becomes less stigmatized, there's always more
2: that you can learn. Well, Ben, I know I'm going to go learn some more. Are you going to go learn some more? I'm definitely going to go learn some more. Oh,
1: great. I'm learning right
0: now.
2: Me I'm, <laughs> I'm reading textbooks right now. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, wow. But uh, I think that'll wrap up our discussion on the Professor and the madman, though. So let's score this sucker. So if this is your first time listening to us, we use a moderately simple scale. Uh, it's 1 to 100. You can kind of think of it like an American grade scale. A100 means that it is perfect. It has absolutely no flaws. Uh, the scale cannot be broken. Uh, it, it can also go all the way down to a one, which means that it is a steaming pile of turds.
2: So, with that being said,
0: who would like to go first?
2: I'll go first. All right, Tristan. All right. So, you know, uh, upon further inspection, uh, as you have witnessed today, sorry, I don't know what that was. Um,
1: <laughs> you are gathered here today. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, I I think that Mel Gibson did a pretty dang good job acting in this movie. Um, Sean Penn, I've seen better. Not that bad. (laughs) Seen better. (laughs) Um, I, you know, for everything else, I think I'm going to give this movie an 80.
1: Okay. I was going to say 81, I guess. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's I I don't have any complaints about the acting. Um, I just don't you know, I don't think this movie is going to turn out very rewatchable. I don't want to see it again. Um, But I, I I can't agree with the critics either. If somebody asked me, hey, you saw The Professor and the Madman. Did you like it? I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too. it was a good movie. And it's yeah, I, I mean, it was important. And I think it's treatment of themes like forgiveness and redemption and the value of a human life those were all well done
2: yeah and I I mean I i there were a lot of really touching moments and really tender scenes in this but still just the for all the reasons we talked about and I'd I'd watch it again too for the record I mean maybe Elijah wouldn't but I'd watch this again maybe not right now need some time to experience this again
3: Well, this is super funny because we have an 80 and an 81. And when we were deciding our scores, my mind said 82. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. But yeah, I agree with everything that's already been said. I think it did a wonderful job dealing with the issues that it discussed. So,
0: All right. That does skew the average. Excellent.
1: (laughs) Ben, Ben, you know how you're always right?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to be right this week.
1: <laughs> not today. <laughs> nope, nope.
0: Um, but yeah, uh, I've already said I really didn't enjoy it. Um, it's The pacing is a mess. and I know y'all like the other characters in this movie. I really didn't. Uh, they had a couple moments, but honestly, I don't really remember much of what they did other than those couple moments. I would not watch this movie again. If someone said, hey, is this a good movie? I'd say... Check out, the, check out the Wikipedia page. If it sounds like something that's up your alley, sure, go ahead and watch it. Uh, with yeah. that being said, I'm going to give this a 58. Mercy. Whoa.
3: <laughs> At least it's above half.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think there are definitely some good elements. I think Mel Gibson and Sean Penn do a good job, but it takes an hour for them to actually appear on screen together. And if you're making a movie about two people, I think they need to have some sort of like more face-to-face interaction. That's not just halfway through the movie.
2: Uh, yeah, this this movie was two movies up until that point, really. <laughs> yeah, and if even they that. weren't bad, I thought they were good, but they were yeah. two movies.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, uh, that gives us a final score of a 75.25. So, really, if I had given it one lower, it wouldn't have been a decimal, but oh, it is what it is. Um,
3: it's passing,
0: yeah, C's C's not- degrees, yeah. I mean, I can live with that, but yeah, that has been the Professor and the Mad Men. Uh, what are we talking about next week, guys? Oh, talking
1: about a movie I hated,
0: talking about a movie I haven't even seen. We're talking about a movie based on a book that I grew up with. Let's stop beating I? around the bush and someone say the name of the movie. Where the and, Wild Things Are. There it is. Oh, yeah, uh, I personally am pretty excited about this because I, I know. have not seen it. Um, and I know Elijah, you said you hate this movie?
1: Yeah, and I also grew up with the book as a kid.
0: Right. We're going to have a guest on that
3: Love
0: loves this
2: movie. So, and I, 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 and, I, and I, I, I kid you not, that's all I heard about. Back in like ninth grade <laughs> if you that know gives you, you know any him.
0: hint of who our guest is yeah um, but be sure to check that out next week and in the meantime also be sure to keep up with vider media and all the cool stuff that we do on social media at vider media uh, we've got new episodes of tea with Doug G every monday night and new episodes of setting the scheme dropping every wednesday and until next week i'm ben i'm tristan
1: i'm elijah
3: i'm abby
0: and this has been setting the scheme y'all have a great week